Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so we can enjoy its beauty. Season 1, Episode 9, The Ordinance of God, Romans 1, 32. This week on Romans Untangled, we are going to look at one verse primarily in its context in this beginning section we are looking at. We're going to look at Romans 1.32, and we're going to ask the question, wait a minute, why do these things deserve death? This seems rather strange. I'm Pastor Steve Treichler here in Minneapolis, Minnesota from Hope Community Church. Really have been enjoying doing these podcasts, and thanks so much for the feedback. I know a lot of you have uh, either encouraged me via, if I've seen you in person or text or email, that's been really fun, and uh, trying to make these podcasts better and better. We're learning. I really appreciate your patience with me on this. We are starting each week by doing a, a Bible study tool. Trying to, we'll do this for quite a while here until I've exhausted all of my little tricks of the trade. This week, I kind of want to address the issue that maybe some of you have been asking. It's like, okay, I want to understand the Bible, and I and I appreciate that we're going to the Book of Romans, and I've already, you know, you've already explained that the Book of Romans kind of explains the whole Bible. It's one of the, I would say, one of the three main books of the New Testament. Uh, Excuse me, parts of Ephesians, but Galatians, Romans. And Hebrews are the books that you really need to get a grasp of in order to understand the big story of Scripture. Well, you might be asking the question, why haven't we just started from the beginning? Why is this podcast not starting in Genesis and just being a work through the Bible so I understand the Bible? And and that's a very legitimate question. In fact, this may shock you, but as people come to faith in Christ at Hope Community and they're brand new to the Bible— I seldom, if ever, recommend they start in Genesis and just work their way left to right like you would a normal book. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, that seems rather strange, right? Don't you need to know the Old Testament? And I'm going to argue that yes, you do. You can learn a lot of that by reading the New Testament. I'm going to argue you need to read the New Testament first. If, If you're brand new to the Bible, I would say read the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is written primarily for those who are just, they don't know a whole lot yet, and it's beautiful. I would then read the book of Acts. It helps you understand the expansion of the church. Then I would go ahead and read some of Paul's shorter letters, like Philippians or Ephesians um, or Colossians. Then, Then I would actually have you go back and read the book of Genesis. Now, So this week, what I want to talk about is knowing the Old Testament, but what I want you to know is I want you to know about, I have numbered them here, let's see, two, four, six, eight, I guess nine major events in the Old Testament. Now, there are probably 30 major events that eventually you'll need to know about, and and they're very, very, very important. However, these are of ultimate importance. In other words, you, to get to get these things really help you to understand. I just want to walk you through what the big things, in order to understand much of the Bible, what's going on here. So here they are. First of all, you do need to do eventually a deep dive into Genesis 1 through 11. And so much so that as I was preparing this this episode, I realized there's another bonus episode. I'm going to include this at some point in time. Uh, we just did our first bonus episode on on truth, humility, 
and homosexuality and uh, just going into how do we handle this very delicate issue that comes up in Romans 1 uh, and dealing it, though, with both truth and grace and help and love and that none of us is better than anyone else. And so that I encourage you, that's uh, on your on your list here if you get the podcast. But you do need to take a deep dive into Genesis 1 to 11. In fact, I'm going to kind of model that today as we look at this passage from Romans 1, 32. After that comes some key events. Uh, also in the book of Genesis is the issue of what happens to Abraham, the promise given to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, that it spreads, that his family does by the end of the book. It becomes many, many people. I don't I don't know exactly, but a hundred or so something, I'm going to guess, of all the offspring, uh, roughly. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration. I haven't done an exact count, but we get Israel now. We get the, the people that are spread through there. They go into captivity in the book of Exodus. So that's our, our, we have deep dive in Genesis 1 to 11, Abraham, that spreads to Israel, and then they go into captivity. That's the book of Exodus. Moses comes along, that's our next big thing, and he brings them out of captivity. Also with Moses, when we get to the middle of the book of Exodus, we get the giving of the law. That's a very important thing in the book of Romans. We will go back to that over and over, but in, in Exodus chapter 19, uh, Moses is preparing to go up to the mountain in Exodus chapter 20, and then from there on, we read a lot about this giving of the law, the 613 commands that the Lord is going to give to Moses to follow and to have the people follow. There's a lot there. Uh, we could talk a lot about that, but for right now, it's the giving of the law to the people of Israel. Okay, It's not to everybody, it's just the people of Israel. Then that leads to ultimately a whole bunch of things but they do eventually, the people of Israel eventually get into the promised land, and then there are kings. You, you maybe have heard of Solomon and David, but there are other kings in the history of, of Israel. But there becomes so much wickedness, so much idolatry, so much turning away from the ways of God that they are exiled. And when we get to the end of the Old Testament, the, the prophetic words, those different books of the prophets, most of them are written either right before the exile or after the exile, there another nation has come in, in fact, in two different scenarios, and has taken them, many of them, and deported them to other countries, and so that they are out now. So that that's the Old Testament in a nutshell, okay? So, But those are the big things you need to know. Deep dive into Genesis 1 to 11. I'm going to model that a little bit here, and, and I'm going to do a bonus episode where I literally have my Bible open, and we're just going to walk through uh, Genesis 1 to 11. Chapters 1 to 11. Abraham comes on the scene, spreads, the people spread to, to Israel. They go into captivity in Egypt. Moses brings them out. The law is given. Eventually, they get themselves into the promised land. Uh, uh, that leads to kings, uh, Solomon, David, others. And then eventually, that leads to exile. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, hey, trike, uh, that... I love the Old Testament, and you're killing me. You missed 30 different good stories. I know, I know. Uh, but I, what, what, again, the, the point of this podcast is to untangle complicated things. And in order to do that, you have to start, and, and admittedly, sometimes you oversimplify things to do that. But believe me, that is the way I have always learned, and I hope it's helpful to you. So one of the Bible study tools here is just, just start with a basic understanding 
and then move on from there. We'll go back. We'll get deeper dives as we go on. Okay, this week, we want to look at one verse from uh, Romans 1, but every week I said, uh, at least during this beginning section, I want to read to you the theme of Romans that comes right before this. Romans 1, 16 to 17, which says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. From there, we have been spending now uh, many weeks on Romans 1, 18 to 32, this big chunk where it starts off by saying, instead of the righteousness of God being revealed, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Okay, and and there's a lot in there. I don't have time again to unpack it, but we saw a whole variety of things that, why did people do this? Uh, What was going on? How they saw God, but they didn't see all about God. They saw uh, you know, his visible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature from verse 20. And then it says that they 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 knew God, and they knew certain things about God, not everything, but they knew God. They didn't glorify him, they didn't give him thanks, but their hearts were darkened, and they they it says that they they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for idolatry, right? And then it says in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. Just at this point in time, verse 24, just any kind of sexual impurity uh, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So there's there's something going on here sexually that is is uh, God is, is saying that's something he gave them over. Verse 25 then is the most important verse in the Bible on what does it mean to sin. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul here is saying what ultimately is sin is it's exchanging truth about God for lies about God and actually worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator. And that's huge to understand. That's really what sin is. And then it goes on to say, that God gave them over to shameful lusts. And now he goes into the issue of homosexuality. Women exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural sexual relations. The men did the same thing, and they abandoned natural relations and were inflamed with lust for one another. And again, we went into this uh, last week and went into it in depth, kind of from a different angle in our bonus episode, which I encourage you to take a listen to. But the issue is here is God is not, or excuse me, Paul is not picking out homosexuality is any kind of worse thing than anyone else, anything else. He already started by talking about sexual impurity, and he's this week we're going to look at, there's a whole list of things he could have chosen. It's this key phrase, natural for unnatural. And by natural, he does not mean what we might think when we say the phrase, hey, that came to me naturally. In other words, it's a way that I just naturally feel. I have a I have a propensity to be very good at baseball. I have a natural talent for baseball. That that's not what he's getting at here. He's getting at comparing that to creator to creation. In other words, the way things were created by God to be, and then the way things are when we turn and we worship and serve created things. 
That's the difference here, what he's going after. That's the important reason why he chooses homosexuality because it says that we, instead of looking to ourselves and to other created matter in order to get our life and to get our joy and to get our worship and to get things that make us feel alive, we're supposed to be dependent people and look to God for that. But instead we don't. We turn inward and we look to our own self. We look to our accomplishments. We look to things of this world to fill us, even though they weren't designed to do that. They weren't designed to be our God. Paul uses that analogy to say the same thing. Men are to look to the other women and the sin of homosexuality. Again, again, please hear it over and over. I try to say it. No, no worse than any other. But it's a clear example of, of going to the same women going to same and not to the other and that's the it's an it's an illustration so to speak of what the real problem is so with that said uh, we want to look now at the end of this section here and I'm, I'm going to read it all verses 28 all the way to 32 just read it through and then I just want to hone in on verse 32. It says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God, and here's this phrase again, gave them over to a depraved mind. So that's the third time we've seen this. We've seen the idea of God giving them over uh, in the in verse 24, the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. Verse 26, God gave them over to shameful lusts. And now one more time given them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So here we get this long list, right? This long list of of sinful things as we end chapter 1. Uh, there's this all kinds of things, evil, greed, depravity, deceit, malice, murder, gossiping, slandering people, being arrogant, being boastful, disobeying parents, right? Um, all right, this whole list, and he goes on there, and you got to understand that any single one of those always fits back into Romans one twenty five. They exchange the truth of God, truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve created things rather than the creator. Let me give you an example, right? So one of these is envy, right? So uh, some, you have something, and I, I am now envious of you. I want whatever it is that you have, right? So let's just talk about this. What's what's being exchanged? What's What's happening? Well, in, if, it, if my worship and service was to the creator, if he was the one making me alive, then if you have a nice car, or say you're married and I'm not, or you have a nice home, but my worship and service and my value and my the thing that makes me okay is my service and following God, then all I look at you and I just say, well, good for you. I mean, great happy for you. 
right? But that's not what happens because there's something that happens in me that just says, wait a minute now, how come I don't have that? Well, what's the deal? And I even kind of shake my fist at God and say, hey, listen, God, I've been trying to follow you and you haven't given me that stuff. Uh, what's the deal? And they, I'm comparing myself now to that person, they haven't done nearly as many good things as I have, so I deserve that. And I start shaking my fist at God, so I must have that, right? I don't know if you've ever seen toddlers do this, where they're playing with toys, and they're, they're, the little, little boy may be done with the toy truck, and he's off doing something else, but the minute another toddler touch, touches that truck, no, 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 you can't have that. I have that. Man, you can see this in the dog world, my... Dakota the Wonder Beagle. I mean, when we have another dog that comes over, when that dog finds a toy on the ground, Dakota hasn't touched that toy in a month. But man alive, when that other dog touches it, I must have it. Why? Because the the the, the center of the universe is me and what I have and what I want. I've exchanged creator for creation. And now it's not God anymore where I just go, Hey, you want to enjoy that toy? I've enjoyed it much. And now you can No, I turn inward. Any one of these could be used for that. Okay. So this is just this ever growing list of all the different things, how sin has spread all over the world. Now, with that said, let's hone in on verse 32, where it says this, Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That's the point of this podcast is this last verse, and I want to spend the last 12 minutes here just honing in on that. Let's do the second part first. They know that it's wrong and it, it, does, it has punishment. In fact, the punishment is death. That's what we really want to focus in on, but let me just hit the last part of it. You know what? They just, they just keep going after it. Like a dog returns to its vomit, they keep going and they keep doing the very things. Not only that, but they encourage others, they approve of them, they say, go, it's good for you, I'm, I'm proud, I'm on team, I'm, I've joined the team, created things is my worship. I'm going to change my attitude and heart, and I'm opposed to God. I'm thumbing my nose at God, that would be the, the nice way of saying it. Uh, there's a more graphic way, but it's a family podcast. So... That's what happens. But what I want to focus in on here is the first part of that verse. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. Now, let me hit the three big things here. Number one, who's the they? We have never really dove into deeply in in this chapter. Who is they? Two, uh, what is this God's righteous decree thing? And then why does it deserve death? Okay, so let's take them one at a time. First thing, who's the they? Now, this, we left it, I left it because I wanted you to kind of study the passage for a while and look at it with me. And it keeps going, they, 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 right? And again, this is, it's a strange letter because Paul seemed to be up until verse uh, 18, seemed to be talking right to the recipients of the letter. And now all of a sudden he's speaking about they. If you peek ahead into into chapter two, now he's going to switch the pronoun to you. So, and one of the most difficult things in the book of Romans is who's this pronoun he's speaking about. And it's it's actually not uh, as simple as it looks. You may not be the reader. It may be some other person that Paul is making up. Well, I think from the context, and most scholars would clearly state this, and the fact that 
the Apostle Paul is leaning in on some uh, Jewish literature from the book of uh, Wisdom of Solomon as he writes this, that it's primarily leaning in on those who are outside of Israel. Okay, so there's no mention here that you know, you have these Ten Commandments, or you know about the, our ways, or he doesn't say that. So it seems like the the, the nations outside of Jewish uh, Ju- Judaism would be Gentiles. So it's you're leaning in on the use, or, or the, the they is those who do not have the Bible as their, they don't understand it, that wasn't their heritage, they were not Jewish. So Paul here is writing in the very beginning of this book about just general people, uh, they do not, who are outside of special revelation. In other words, they were not part of the people of Israel. However, however, Bruce Longnecker has written in his commentary this. He said, it is not the Gentile condition alone that Paul is describing here, but a more fundamental anthropological condition, which includes in itself no ethnic differentiation. Anyway, let me unpack what that means. This is true not only of the Gentile world. This actually is true of every human being that has ever existed. So who's the they? The they is all of us, but particularly the lay, the, the they is those who do not have the, the, the law of God, the, uh, the, uh, the Jewish people. Okay? Second thing, um, what is this righteous decree of God? And, and then it says, that they do such things deserve death. Okay, well, and again, this is something where you don't want to just gloss over because let's look at that list again. Some of them, some of these things on the list are really bad. Murder, right? Malice, you know, God haters, right? <clears throat> but arrogance, uh, disobeying parents, gossiping. That's it. It seems a bit harsh to say, hey. That is, uh, those are, those, the penalty for doing those things is death. I mean, I, I, I raised my boys and, and, you know, we had family rules, but, but there was nothing on the chart that said, do this and you die, right? So it's kind of like, wait a minute now, how, how does that, where does that come from? Uh, where does this, what is this righteousness decree of God, this righteous decree of God, ordinance of God, some of your versions will say, and then, and how do they know that it goes back to death? Well, This is where you need to take a deep dive into the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, I just want to let you walk through the expansion of sin in Genesis 1 to 11. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, in Genesis chapter 12 is going to be the promise given to Abraham. But in Genesis 1 to 11, and, and, and this, you, that area, you really need to hone in. And I go there all the time. If you're, if you're a person at Hope Community, you know Trike likes to go to Genesis 1 to 11 because I think it's the foundation for many things. So let's, I don't have time to go through all of it now. I'm, like I say, it's going to be a bonus episode here. But what, uh, what, what, what do we see? What are some key things? So Genesis chapter 2 speaks about the creation of Adam. And what his job was, even before the creation of Eve, in verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, so let's just stop for a minute. There's only one, there's only one command. He says, I want you to work the garden. I want you to take care of it, right? But there's one command given, and only one. You got one job, right? <laughs> you are free to eat from any tree, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now I'm going to let the let the uh, let the cat out of the bag here, so to speak, right right away. And the idea here is this is what they it doesn't. What's a big deal? You ate some fruit from a tree and you're going to die. That seems kind of harsh, right? Well, actually, when we unpack what happened, we go to Genesis chapter three. And uh, again, we should look at the whole thing. But Genesis chapter three is a, just to look at, skip to verse four, it's the part where Eve is being tempted. Adam and Eve are being tempted. Eve is the one doing the dialogue, but Adam is standing there. We'll see that here in just a moment. And um, she tells him, no, no, we can't, uh, the, the, the serpent who is Satan is trying to tempt her and says, uh, we can't eat from that tree. We're going to die. He says, you, you certainly will not die. And that's a lie, right? And he says, for God, verse five says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now that's a half truth, right? When you eat of it, your eyes, yes, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like it. You're not going to be equal to God. That's that's a half truth. You're going to know good and evil, yes, but you're not going to be equal. You're not going to be on the same plane as God where, where we're designed to be dependent creatures underneath, happily underneath, joyfully submitting to our king. Uh, instead, he says, you know, you can be on, on equal footing, be homies, you can hang out together. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Don't just blame Eve here, guys. He was standing right there. I don't know, he's watching ESPN or something or eating pizza. I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't doing, he wasn't helping. And he ate it. And verse seven says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. There it was. Their eyes were going to get opened. But it wasn't this beautiful, we're equal with God thing. The first thing they receive is shame. And they realize they were naked. In other words, for the now before they were totally uh, fine with being with God in his presence and all this. And now they realize there's, if you want to be like God, guess what? You're naked. You're, there's something insufficient about you. You're not God. You cannot be your own God. And if you try to be your own God, there's so much you're short of. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay, so sin enters the world here in Genesis chapter three, but it's very interesting, right? God tells them that when you eat of it, you will certainly die, right? Now, when, when the serpent says to them, you will certainly not die, that's a lie. Now, they don't immediately physically die, but death comes into the world, and something spiritually happens to them where they immediately die. They're not like they were. You can see this carry on through the rest of the, the, the as we work our way through the rest of the chapters here. In Genesis chapter 4, you get, you get Cain and Abel, the, the offspring of of uh, Adam and Eve, and Cain, the older brother, is is envious of the younger brother because his his uh, 
his sacrifice was deemed better than God, and he kills his brother, and God punishes him for it. We move on to Genesis chapter 6, and it says in verse 5, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And so there, there hap- this flood happens, right? And it saves Noah and his three sons and their wives, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Or Larry Cohen, Larry uh, Moe and Curly here, as I like to call them. Because all of them, even Noah, Noah in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, gets all drunk and disorderly. He's a mess. The kids are a mess. We get to Genesis chapter 10. We get into the table of nations where there's all these different nations that have now happened. But by the time we get to Genesis 11, all of those nations are plotting to again replace God by saying, let's name make a tower so big it... It's, we'll make a name for ourselves. In other words, we don't need God. We can do this on our own. The sin is just completely spread, right? Now, so what is this? This We go back to Romans 1 where it says, although they know God's righteous decree. Again, these are not people that have read the Bible. These are not people that have gotten the Ten Commandments. These are not people that have any of the commands of the Old Testament. What have they been given? They have been given the very thing that was given to Adam and Eve when they sinned, and that was this, the knowledge of good and evil. What is, what is this, uh, this thing that Paul calls the righteous decree and that if you do these things, you deserve death? It is sin. It is exchanging creator for creation. It is the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, what it really is, it's the curse. The curse of the knowledge. And by acknowledgement, I don't mean just know about. I mean you embody it and you feel the guilt and you. this is now within you. You have a knowledge of something. I know something. That is the, is the, the God's righteous decree. And that is the very thing that is in every human heart around the world whether they've ever heard of God, of Jesus Christ, or anything, they all know God's righteous decree. Now, what's an encouragement about that? Let me tell you what that is. There is an encouragement. We're going to see this. We, I like to call it the, the little L law. In other words, the big L law in the book of Romans will be referring to the Ten Commandments, the things that were given to Moses uh, and that the people of Israel were to follow. But the little L law, and we'll see this over and over in the book of Romans, is actually something that is in every human heart. Some people might call it your your God-given conscience. Let me encourage you with something as we close, because it's kind of a dark way to close, but just know that because of that, that, that God is working in every human heart, every single person's life to make them aware of sin. And the first step in order to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is to know that you're a sinner. The first step in order to wanting to have a Savior is to realize you need to be saved. So this is actually good news. The good news of the gospel must start with the bad news, and we're still taking a deep dive into it this week. We're going to actually watch as we enter into chapter 2 next week how this is not just for Gentile people, it's for all people, and that we're all in the same boat together. And again, 
The bad news is going to get a little bit worse over the next few episodes here in Romans Untangled, but we do that in order that you can see the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of the righteousness of God being revealed for God's glory and our incredible joy. Have a great week. Thanks for listening.